willing to give and, and to trust the Lord and, and in that way and being generous to, uh, to just to trust God and believing that he's the one that uh, takes the seeds that are sown and makes them multiply and grow. And so Paul had been encouraging this church to be generous and to, uh, to grow in that way. And he's going to ask them here to grow in another way, a very important way uh, that, that is essential in the life of the believer. And I was really encouraged in going through the sec- section and studying, seeing it for what it is and, and being encouraged by the battles that we really face and the reality of who we have on our side. The, uh, like how powerful God is and how weak we are. <laughs> like that there is a real battle going on and we want, he's on our side. We want to utilize and be, be in line with him and where he's at. So let's pray and we'll get started. Lord, thank you so much for this time this morning and each and every person that's here. And we pray that you would fill us all with your spirit, that you'd speak to us, Lord, that we would be able to um, take what you've said here and what you, what's in, in the word and, and that it would be, um, it would find a place in our hearts, that it would change us, that it would mold us that would shape us, that would help us to see things the way they really are. Lord, that you would help us to be, as we've titled this this whole book series, vessels, Lord, that that are uh, full of you, carrying what you want us to carry, doing what you want us to do, for your honor, for your glory. Pray you give us ears to hear and eyes to see. As we get into the scripture this morning, we thank you, God, and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 says, Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. Um, this Actually, as we get into this section, we're not going to finish this chapter today because I didn't want to rush through this. I thought it was a really good kind of like section to, to sit on and, and, and kind of really let it marinate and soak in and meditate on these scriptures. Uh, Paul is addressing something that has been said by most likely not all of the Corinthian believers, but a sect of them. Remember, they were all about finding any little thing they could find, poke any little hole they could in who Paul was. And in doing so would make it so they don't have to listen to what he says. And so one of the things that they had kind of been calling out is that he's a hypocrite. He's double-minded. He says one thing, he does another. Well, what was that hypocrisy they're speaking of here that he's going to address head on? Is that he's been gentle to them in person, but he's been writing them harsh letters afterwards. So when they're together, he's really nice. Then he goes back and he writes them letters that are harsh. And so they're really like, this isn't right, you know, like you're acting one way, but then you're doing something the other way. And Paul's basically going to be like, that was me trying to like keep peace. Like that was me. I'm not going to stop addressing the issue, but when I'm there, I want you to know my love for you. So I'm giving you this. And so we'll see actually later on in the chapter, he's like, don't worry. I'll be more consistent next time I see you. It's not what you want. Okay. You, I'm trying to keep it where, where I'm, I can say these things to you and speak to you, but also I'm doing it in the same gentleness and meekness of, of Christ. And, and there's, who, who else is that example? Jesus could be very uh, confrontational in, in, as far as speaking truth and hurting feelings when things 
when people weren't told exactly what they wanted to hear. But he, who had more meekness or gentleness than Jesus? Nobody. And I think even all of us as Christians, we've got to be able to speak to difficult things. And sometimes you have to bring them up. But it, it, we should be known for our meekness and our gentleness above, like even in the midst of that. So it's like, I, I want to talk to you, but I want you to know it's coming from a place of love. And so these believers in Corinth were so looking for some little place they could make a big deal with Paul, decided to take this and say, well, you're saying one thing, you're doing another. Oh, you're a big, bad guy with your pen, but when you show up, well, you're about to find out, okay? Because we know Paul himself withstood Peter to his face. Peter, who was a staple, was the one that one of, one of the inner three. He, he's not afraid to confront people. He was the one, remember, that was willing to speak and, and keep on uh, preaching to those who tried to kill him and thought he was dead and he came back into the... He's not scared. He loves this church and he's trying to get them to understand, this is where I'm coming from. You know, so he says, so who, who in presence am lowly among you, meaning I'm... I'm, I'm I'm putting myself low. I'm serving you, but being absent and bold towards you. Bold to be able to tell you the truth and be real with you. Verse 2. But I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with the confidence by which I intended to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. The rumors had been sown that Paul was walking according to the flesh because he's a double-minded man, because he's saying these things and not backing them up with when he's there in person. Yeah, you wouldn't say it to our face. I think he probably did more than not, but he's speaking to some because he says against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. I'm going to address the sum. We're going to have a conversation. And, and there's division has been brought. And you guys are always causing, trying to cause division. And it's so hard, honestly. Like if we were like, take a step back and look. It's so much harder to just constantly try and cause division. Or constantly have issues. To, to make it so you can get your own way. Than just accepting the truth and allowing that cleansing to happen. You know, sometimes you're, you're so afraid of, of dealing with consequences, you lie for a lie for a lie for a lie for a lie, and you get so far down the road, and all you have is lies behind you, and all you're trying to do is avoid a consequence that would ins- actually set you free if you were to be able to be honest and true about it. And so you've, if you've been a parent or if you are a parent, you know that you know a lot of times that there's an issue here and you just want your children to be able to say, yeah, I lied. Um, Dad, you know what? I did lie. And that usually happens not on the spot when you give them the opportunity. It's usually like a couple minutes later. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'll believe you. You know, but you'll, you'll feel better if you tell the truth. If, 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 if it is the truth, maybe I'm off here. I don't know. You know? And then you go away and all of a sudden they're like, you see them, it's like on their face. And they're contemplating like, if I, how much trouble will I get in versus how terrible I feel now? And so Paul's going to come and he's going to uh, deal with them and basically uh, set the rumor straight again. All these rumors, all this division, um, division is, is, it is the, there's nothing greater at stopping a work of God than division, right? Confusion. 
and the devil loves confusion and division. And, and we are susceptible to it when we know we're in sin, when we know we're making mistakes. So we want to do everything we can to get the spotlight off of us, even though a lot of times we're the only ones who see the spotlight on us. And so you cause all this havoc trying to get away from the one thing that would set you free, which is laying it all down, casting it all down, allowing God to move and work in that way. Verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. We are in the world, we're not of the world. We walk in the flesh, every one of us, right? No one's walking through walls this morning. Maybe walking into walls. If you're walking through walls, then you've got some major power and a headache, you know? But for the most, we're flesh and blood, right? Like, you... You get hit, it hurts. Aaron got drilled on, at, the, at our game on Thursday, right? And it hurts. How big's the bruise? Lo- oh, that is so big, Aaron. That's so big. Chris, Singh hit a line drive at him, and it was... I just had to say it, Chris, don't stop hitting like that, because that was a really good hit. But it's, it, it, it's like our flesh and blood, and we, we have to deal with that. It's reality. Like We live here, and we have to deal with the weight of this world and the sins of this world and, and the stuff that comes and goes before us, and, and there's a darkness to the world we live in. And sometimes we think it's less dark than it is, and every once in a while you get a glimpse of what it really is, and that's, that is a blessing to shock you back into the reality of stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Him. It's not all good. It's not all fine. Not everything is... We're, but we walk according to the flesh. We're in, the, in this world, but we do not war according to the flesh. Meaning we don't fight our battles the way the world fights their battles. We will have battles like the world does. We will deal with issues like the world does. And, and we all are under that same sin and curse. And, and uh, man, it can be rough. I say that as we are the top 1% of humanity throughout all time, right? I mean, like, we are dealing with the easiest life that anyone's probably dealt with in all of humanity. Oh, and by the way, we live in, like, the nicest place in the country. But yet we all know that there's struggles going on, right? I was watching the World Series last night, and and it was a stand-up-to-cancer thing, and everybody was holding up signs for people that they had in their lives that were struggling and battling cancer. And you see, all these people, all these professional athletes with their millions and millions of dollars, they all had one at least, and most of them had two. And they could have had many more, and, and a lot of them split it and had a bunch of them on there, because they were like, this is, they're going through, they know people going through stuff. We live in this world, it's fallen, it's flawed, all of that. But we, we can't fall into the trap of warring the way the world does. And this is especially difficult when you've been somewhat successful doing it the world's way. That's, that's where it starts getting a little difficult. And I remember the story of, I thought it was Nikki Cruz, I'm not 100% sure. One of the guys who started a major inner city, gnarly ministry, uh, getting saved and then pulling a gun on, on a drug dealer and telling him to accept Jesus. That's an example of warring the world's way. Like, if we just pull guns on everyone and tell them to come to Jesus, I think that our salvations will skyrocket. And we could put it, we had 73 salvations this last month, you know. 
Can you believe it? Get baptized too, by the way. You know, get in, get in, you know, okay. But that's not the way it works, right? And, and we know very well that that actually doesn't accomplish anything. And I actually say fear-based, you know, whatever, God could use it all. But we got to be careful how we war and the things we do and the way we've, we've kind of processed things and learned. I, I grew up and everyone would say, violence doesn't solve anything. And then you're, you use violence and you find out it does to a certain extent. You go, actually, that d- did solve something. And I'm going to see exactly how many things it can solve. Let's keep on going down this road. Well, it, it, it do, yes, it does in a worldly sense, but what it usually ends up doing is reaping way more problems than you started with. So what the world has to give us in, in this kind of like warring in the world sense is temporary and it has a bunch of fine print on the other side. And you usually end up more in bondage than when you started. You usually end up further away from actually solving the problem than when you started. This is lying. This is cheating. This is manipulating. This is all that stuff. And really, that's what's going on with the Corinthian church. They're trying to manipulate. They're trying to lie. They're trying all these different things to try to not have to deal with the real issue. Which is Paul, in meekness, just telling him the truth. I hate that you tell us the truth. And he's like, well, it'll set you free But I don't want to be free. For the weapons, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. This is, underline it, whatever. Like, this is something every single one of us has to remember. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Like, it's, it's not all lost. No, actually, as a matter of fact, the more you go into trusting God in these situations in your life, using His weaponry, using His armor, the more you'll see that it's mighty for pulling down strongholds. And a stronghold is more than just an issue. A stronghold is like a deep-rooted like character thing, right? Something that's got an absolute grip on you that is holding on to you, that's pulling you down, that's keeping you, it's drowning you. The weapons of our warfare, if we're, we're not going carnal, but we're trusting God and, and doing this in a spiritual sense, are able to free people from their strongholds. This is good news. One of the things that I think we want to ignore is that we even have strongholds. Oh, we're just figuring it out. Or, oh, just, oh, that's just tied into this. Or that's because of this. Or, there's strongholds in our lives. And, and we would be, do well to recognize if there's any in ours. You know, like what, what is something that the enemy has a stronghold that he can control me like a puppet with? That he's got me down with. Our warfare, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. There will be times where you want to be carnal. It will, you will want to revert to your worldly techniques. Especially, again, if you've, been consist- if you've been successful in using these things before. If you know how to manipulate. If you know how to bring violence to the next level. If you know all these things. You can, I know how to get my way. Oh, no, no. I know, I know what he's doing and I'm going to punk him. This is it. 
I'm not going to be controlled like that. See, that's the old man thinking, and that will cause you more problems. This is a whole new way of thinking. But the fact of the matter is that we're dealing with real spiritual issues. Dr. David sent me um, an article yesterday, and it was just so gnarly. And it was about the exorcist, the original movie hauntings and what all took place with a lot of the cast. There was murders, there was deaths and suicides and crazy, crazy stuff. And it was a true story based on this kid who had opened, opened up to uh, Ouija boards and, and uh, going into the occult, going all this crazy stuff. And, and uh, the parents saw he's like 15 years old and he's going nuts And so they're like, bring him to the doctor. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go well, right? You're bringing a demonic kid who is blaspheming God. That's like one of the things he does, right? You know, it's just behavioral, I'm sure, right? He's blaspheming God. Every time he's near like a cross or anything like that, he's screaming and, and, and becomes unruly. They finally decide to bring in a priest. And what does the priest do? He comes in to, to exorcise the demon. And the kid breaks a spring out of the bed and slashes him with it. It was a very graphic and gnarly look into what exactly demon possession looks like. Even the cat, it said even the, on the set of The Exorcist, a fire broke out and burned everything but the room where the girl w- was being filmed in. It was, there was many accounts of this, the true story of the boy of the room shaking, things moving, scratching sound. Gnarly stuff. Sorry if you're going to have any nightmares tonight. I apologize. But it's the reality of the darkness that we live in. Now, all is not lost because the weapons that we have in Christ are mighty to pull down strongholds. But it's important to understand that strongholds exist before you even know that you need a stronghold pulled down. Many cultures, they have no problem denying evil, denying, uh, I mean, or like, or they have no problem with. They don't deny it. They see it. They know it, it, what it is. They can see it for themselves. Like, this is, uh, this is evil. This is the demonic activity is something they're very aware of. And maybe they don't know what to do with it on the right side, but it's very obvious. I think for us, where we live, one of the greatest tools the devil has given us is we just don't think it exists. So we've been lulled to sleep. You're not aware of what's going on around you. If you've seen this for yourself, you know, maybe not to this degree, but if you've seen demonic, you know, man, this is some crazy stuff. And it makes you not want to dabble with the things of the world for a while. This is the little things, the slippery slopes, all these different things. And the real struggle... It's a real struggle like people don't even understand like what it is or that it even exists. The, the best thing about is using the, the right warfare, these not carnal, but these, these spiritual weapons of war, is that we're looking at the root issue and it truly brings hope and peace to any situation. Just like the principle of giving one chapter before, it frees us when we are dealing with this in a spiritual manner. Because what we ultimately are doing when we're using the weapons that God has given us is we're trusting Him. 
See, when you're, when you're living and fighting in a carnal way, it's still up to you. And if you've literally fought in a carnal way and you've lived that life, then you know one of the worst things about that life is looking behind your back. If you've cheated people, you, you are very aware of the fact that you could be cheated because you know full well people do it. And if you do it, somebody else will do it. And so you're paranoid. When you've manipulated, you recognize that it's easy to be manipulated and you don't trust anybody. You you reap what you sow. But just like in the principle of giving, where if you give, it's not just about like, oh yeah, just we need your money. It's like saying, God, I trust you with my finances. As I do that, it, what it does is it relieves me of the burden to say, it's in your hands now. I believe you, I trust you, here you go. So this is the same thing on a different level, but it's the same idea, and and it's something the Corinthians really struggled with, because they wanted to follow Jesus, but they really also still wanted to control their life. And you know how it is when you follow two masters, it goes really well. Maybe you work in in an office setting, or in a warehouse setting, or wherever, and you've got two guys who think they're the boss and they're telling you, or two girls or whatever, think they're the boss. They're telling you to do different things. And you go, this is tough. I don't know what to do. So the, if you're smart, you go, which one's the real boss? And that is the one I will listen to. And the other one, you go, sorry, he told me to do it. You, got, you can talk to him. That's it. And, and that's what we come down to when we're dealing with this stuff on a spiritual level. You go... What is the most important thing here? What, who do I want to listen to? Who do I want to abide in? And as we do that, we say, you know what? I'll, and we're going to go through Ephesians chapter 6, which is the whole armor of God. All of those things are wrapped in trusting the Lord and allowing Him to battle for you, Him to go before you. He, we, he's not really needing our resources, right? It's kind of like the whole point of vessels like i like yeah that's great you're made out of clay that's super cool i don't really need that but i want to use it i'm down to use it i'd like to use it i don't really need it it's not like it's super powerful like you don't really bring as much to the table as you think you do your your greatest asset is willingness and openness and trusting me that's the best thing you can do that's the 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 most a uh, beneficial and powerful thing you can do in your life is trust me, follow me, believe in me, allow me to be the one to do it. Think of the story of Gideon, and he's like, that, nope, too many people, nope, too many people, nope, too many people. I want to make it very clear that I'm the one that's going to win this battle. So don't stress out. Because there comes a certain point where you go, this is so far out of my hands There's no way we can win this battle. But God says he wants to do it like this. This is so far out of my hands and so far out of my reach, it's almost funny that we're rolling in with this few of people. We're coming in 300, okay. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) All right, God, do whatever. And then he comes through and everything works out. How ridiculous is that? How ridiculous is it to take down a city and in doing so, you march around it blasting trumpets and then the walls cave in, fall in. What general in their right mind would come up with that as their salute? You know what we're going to do? 
we're just going to cruise around once a day. And then the last one, you know, we'll do it more times. And then we'll just, uh, the walls should fall in. That makes sense. Like, what? But imagine, you know, when you get to be a part of something like that. And if you've been a, a part of where God asks you to do something that is outside of the natural, carnal. Carnal means fleshly is what it means. So natural mind. Something that goes against everything you think and you trust God with it and then you watch him come through and you go, well, that was pretty cool. Because if, if it's like your plan and God's like, yeah, that looks pretty good. I'll sign off on it. It's still your plan. There's a whole lot of stress there. There's a whole lot of you there. There's a whole lot of opportunity to write books there. But this is more than that. This is like... I feel like I'm not fighting at all. All I'm doing is sitting here praying. What am I doing? Like, they're attacking me. Why am I praying? I need to attack them back. This is how, you don't let the battle come to you. You bring it to them. I'm going to be the hammer, not the nail. God says, yeah, yeah, get it. You've been here a while. You understand the way it works. If you're playing football, absolutely, you want to be the hammer, not the nail. But this is different. This is different than anything you've ever seen before. So trust me in this. And it's such good news. Such good news that it's like this. Because it means that he is effective to to pull down strongholds. So if you have people in your life or you yourself have strongholds, let me encourage you in doing these things, trusting God in these things. He is able to save you from this stuff. That is, it's funny, it's like the world can project one way forever and it looks so bad. And, and, and in this, you know, even like the 60s, the Jesus movement came out of nowhere when the nation was going so far sideways, falling off a cliff morally, right? And, and, and with one move of the spirit, Revival comes. Strongholds are taken, broken, and it can all change. This is what this is what spiritual weapons look like. Not just me against you, we both leave kind of tagged by it. It's full heart regeneration. Which, by the way, is what we need in this world. We don't need um, people to be corrected. You just need to act better. Best case scenario, that's legalism, and it will find a way to be wicked in some other way. We need heart regeneration, strongholds to be broken. And God is able to do it. So really, this is a call to the church. Like, you don't like the world you live in? Well, how are you fighting? By arguing with people on Facebook? That's working really well, isn't it? Have you noticed all the good conversations that are happening and all the people that are coming to your side to understand exactly what it's not working. It's like, and and it's not to say you don't have the conversation, but it's to say, if you think that this is going to change someone in and of itself, that's a carnal way of thinking the nastier they get, we'll get nastier back. You're like, Oh, that is totally Jesus. I remember him saying that and acting like that. No, he was always about the bigger picture and we're the ones who can see the bigger picture. Don't be surprised if the world can't see it because they just can't. Like it's, getting, it's like getting in a screaming match with a toddler. 
No, you're, no, you're bad. No, you're bad. It's like, wow. You think maybe they need a nap. Do you? Like, do do you think you're accomplishing what you think you're accomplishing? You're screaming at a two-year-old. You've fallen to their level. And they are loving it to a certain extent, by the way. Because you're at their level. This is where they like to battle. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. This is the armor of the Lord. And again, a little bit of a lead up. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not yours, his. Be strong in what? The Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Repeat, actually, just repeat this, because I think we get this in our head. Be strong in the Lord. Repeat it. No, stop, 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 stop. That was bad. I'm sorry. I kind of messed it up. Let's just repeat it, though, because I, I feel like it's really... Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of His might. Yes. This is, that's our, that is our strength. Put on the whole armor of God. You don't have to repeat all this part. That we may be able to... Uh, to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. If you don't know you're in the fight, if you're not doing this, you are losing. You're losing. I'm losing. When I wake up and I forget this, I'm losing. When I just walk into situations, I'm like, I am just ready to fall into a trap. This is why we have devotional and spend time with the Lord in the morning. Put this on. I mean, a lot of times you go through discipleship with someone, you're like, read, I, I, the first thing I'll say is read this every day for like a month. And maybe for the rest of your life. This is the first place you start. And remember, because it's getting your eyes off yourself and on him. Here's, our, here's, here's the armor. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. This is how you battle. You gird your waist with truth. That means you are surrounded by truth. You are held together by truth. Truth is on your side and you know it well. It's keeping everything in its rightful place. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is important. Your heart matters. Your soul matters. Who you are matters. Where does righteousness come from? God. Through Jesus. That is why we are righteous. That is how we are righteous. So don't neglect and think, oh, it doesn't matter. Holiness all will never be perfect. It does matter because it protects your heart. That's what a a breastplate does. And your heart is a huge deal. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Meaning that you are active in telling people about Jesus. You know, serving is a huge deal with your own spiritual... It's not just like everyone else benefits. You benefit. It is essential to serve. Otherwise, you become fat Christians. And you're just like, feed me more. I just need more. I just want, I just want someone to read the Bible for three hours straight. But don't make me do anything. I don't have to live through it. I can have everything memorized. It's okay, right? As long as I don't have to live like that. 
The gospel of peace makes you go, shod your feet with that. Above all, taking the shield of faith. We're blocking it right here with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. It is our faith in God, our trust in God that will take all the lies that the enemy will throw at you and shoot at you. Faith says, nope, I have a hope in the things I can't see. I'm not going to be moved by this because I know him and that faith will guard and shield you. This is how we battle. This is what we do. And that's important to have that shield, that faith to be ready when, it, when something comes in to be like, oh, no. And you look at, if you get a good example of this, it's Jesus, right? Where the enemy, Satan himself is trying to coerce Jesus. And it's like when he's fasting. And if there's ever a time to get in the flesh, it's when you are hungry. We call it hangry. Like the Snicker commercials, right? Like hungry. And it's like the person becomes like a gargoyle or something. And then they come back to life. And it's like, yeah, when you're hungry... And untired, bad things happen, you know? Hey, I'd like to bring this thing up about you. Well, I'm hungry and I'm tired, so that sounds like it's going to go well. But it's, it's, he's, he brought it up, and what did Jesus say? Yeah, that's okay, you say that. He even, was even using Scripture in a twisted way, and Jesus responded with Scripture. He was, he was ready and willing to take on the darts, and he take them and, and block them and it had no effect because his faith would stand. Good to know. Here's something to know. Think about this. The shield is legit. It works. Okay? Otherwise, you're, it's going through your dead anyway, right? The shield works. That's our promise there, that it is able to block these fiery darts. Not just darts, fiery ones, which is like, it's bad enough you're shooting me. You're shooting me with fire. That seem, anyway, seems like a little much, isn't it? Take the helmet of salvation. This helmet of salvation. This is protecting your mind. Like you know who you are, whose you are. It, your mind has been conformed. Like it's been changed. It's been made new. That's Romans 12, right? Like we, we understand who we are now in Christ. And our mind has been changed. And, and it blocks our brain, right? Like it's... Because we, we're set and we understand our salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, there's your, again, your offensive weapon. How we respond, how Jesus responded when he was having these darts. He blocked it, responded with the Word of God, able to cut and to divide, able to speak into truth. And, and a lot of times it's for you, and other times it's for others. It's, it, it is essential. To spend time in the Word. You know when you do, you're a different person than when you don't. If you're being honest with yourself, right? Like, it's like, I've been reading consistently and like, I've been making this time and and I am just so in tune with what God's doing. And then the other times you're like, I don't need to read. I'm close with God anyway. Like, it doesn't matter. And why are people so annoying? I think one of the major differences is when you're prepared, you see everything as an opportunity instead of a nuisance. Why did this person come into my life to bother me? I'm so sick of the devil in this world. You know, it's like, why did this person come to, into my life? Because they're sick and I know the great healer. This is the difference, being prepared or not. 
So he says, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then praying always, as Chuck Smith would say, the heavy artillery. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all the perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying for one another. That's the heavy artillery. This is the bombs you're launching across the wherever. You know, like where you can affect lives in other states, in other countries, in other, you know, part, you know whatever. And for me, he says, and for me, that utterance may be given to me. He also asked for prayer for himself. For, so he could do exactly what he's doing right here with Corinth. That the utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I speak as ambassador and change. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That I would be able to be bold. That I would be able to speak. Pray this for your leaders. You can pray for leaders. You can pray for your, your family members. You can pray for friends. You can pray for your enemies. This is engaging in the, the warfare. Not just like, I think sometimes as Christians, we think of ourselves as like victims getting slain everywhere. We are victors in Jesus. We win. We are with him. The, the world, what the world throws at you, do not be scared of the world. That's saying you're scared of the devil who we're, uh, Friday mornings we're going through Revelation and Michael the archangel just beat up Satan. It's not, G, it's not God and Satan fighting. It's Michael and Satan fighting and Michael won. It was an angel fight. God is above him. There's nothing, not even close. He has to ask if he could torment Job. Um, could, I, could I get him? Yeah, yeah. It's not going to work out well for you. But yeah, go for it, you know. Use this as a witness again. Not to say he's not powerful. We want to fight Satan in and of our flesh. It's like taking someone demon-possessed to the doctor. It's just ridiculous, right? Oh, um, I think we got some medication for that. Oh, sorry, he ate it. You know, and ripped a hole in the wall, you know. Ow, he just pulled my hair out, you know. What do we do with this guy, you know, huh? Demon possession is real and it's gnarly and scary and, and there's warnings all over. Don't you dare think you could fight the devil in and of yourself. He will rip you to shreds. But there's nothing we should fear if we're with Jesus. If, we, if we're with him and we're war, waging war. And so even as the world looks dark, even as things are heavy, all the more invest in the warfare you should be investing in which changes hearts, changes lives, takes what was lost and makes it found, takes Paul, this murderer, this, and makes him into the man willing to die for Jesus. It's probably a good idea. Maybe we should all, this week, open up that. Ephesians chapter 6. I know some of you are like, don't tell me what to do. That's fine. Whatever. See what, see what happens when you start taking it and, and not just reading it, but thinking about what it says. What does this mean? And you ask yourself the checklist. What am I wearing? Do I have everything? Well, I'll go for a mountain bike ride. I'm always like afraid I'm going to forget something. And usually I do, especially if I have things in different places. I'll be like, but it's they're like important things like a helmet. Oh, where's my helmet? <laughs> where's my shoes? I don't think I'm going today without shoes. That's kind of important. If I don't have my helmet, I can't ride. 
It's just not smart, right? I mean, if I'm just doing something around, but it's just not a good idea. Without gloves, yeah, maybe I'll survive. It's just not going to be as good. My, my knee pads, I need, I really want those. Does it be important? And so we wouldn't go and do something without those kind of things. So why would we ever want to enter into battle, which is as soon as you step out the door? No, it's actually before that. <laughs> it's in the house. It's everywhere. But to put, up, put it on and to trust God in this. Alan Redpath said, Apart from a mighty awakening and revival in the church, we are fighting a losing battle because we are resisting on carnal levels. I thought that was really good. It's getting our eyes off of the flesh. And the more you buy into it's a fleshly thing and, and all of that, then the more that you, like you fight in the flesh, the more dismayed you will become and the less effective you will become in ministering to people. Verse 5, casting on arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Trusting God is removing the escape clauses we make out for him. Like, oh, he must not have meant that. He didn't know what the world would be like in 2019. We got we to gotta help him out with this whole thing. And so it's casting down all these arguments against what he could say uh, or what he has said. And, and every battle starts in the mind. You know that, right? If you, if you were to go and see a, some sin that's kind of d- derailed you or f- fall and at some point in your life, you could always trace it back to your mind making a decision at some point. Or at least con- conceding something. Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Uh, might as well stay a little longer. Eh, what's one more? Eh, you know, it all starts in the mind. They're decisions that are made. And so Paul's now saying, you've got to be careful if you're uh, having arguments in, of your mind against the knowledge of God. And also, so what, what's our way of directing this? Tell me you won't have to be living a better life if you bring every thought into captivity before the Lord. Uh, yeah, obviously, right? It just seems like undoable. Like, how could we possibly do that? But bringing every thought captive to say, nope, that's not of God. It's got to go. You save yourself a lot of hard conversations with people. I'll tell you that right now. Because, you know, when you say something flippant, you're like, I don't know if I should say it. I'll just say it. Oh, well, too late. Should not have. If there's something said, maybe I shouldn't say it. Stop. Don't. (laughs) Think really hard. Bring it into that captivity, to the obedience of Christ. What is he saying? This way of thinking could literally change every relationship you have for the better. And it's our calling. Isn't that cool? And it's also very hard. (laughs) And being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled. Paul was willing to deal with those that refused to change their mind and to continue fighting in the flesh. Why? Because fighting in the flesh is toxic to the Christian church. There's actually probably no more damage done by atheists than Christians who fight carnally. Christians who fight in the flesh is a horrific example to the world. You could be saying some of the right things with all of the wrong heart and it's completely lost and what you do is you make the good things seem bad because you're doing it in the flesh. 
So Paul saw this as very serious. Like, if you don't get this, then I'm going to have to talk to you because this is not good. This is going to cause major issues, not just for your church, but for the church as a whole. And I think we're reaping some of that right now. We can blame ourselves for a lot of things. I can blame myself for a lot of things, but it's a big deal. We don't want to be caught up in it, and we don't want the church to be dragged down by it. We are called to a higher standing, to a higher place, a way more effective place, a mighty place in the, in the hands of a mighty God who raises the dead, who parts the Red Sea, who can do anything. So I encourage you with that this morning. The God who raises the dead. The God who sparks revival when it's the, at its darkest point. That he is able to do more than you could ever imagine. And he's willing. But he's looking for us to be willing to be part of it. To lay down our weapons, our, our, our carnal weapons, and say, Lord, there's something bigger here going on. There's something better here going on. And I love to be petty, but we ain't getting anything done like this. Let's pray, Lord. We know that the, the warfare is real. Um, darkness is real.